0: Well, Debbie and I thank you very, very much. And on behalf of the hundreds and thousands of people who are touched by the ministry of Emerge here and around the world, thank you for your giving today. And I pray that whatever you purpose to give today, that God will give back to you again and again and again. Continue to give you seed to sow into into many people's lives. God continues to open up doors Debbie and I were privileged to be in Austria just about four weeks ago, or five now, and uh, opening eMERGE in Europe, uh, looking at the possibility of, of having a site somewhere in Brussels or Vienna, somewhere in that part of the world, so that we can touch missionaries there easily. And while we were there, a pastor from Hong Kong flew over with his wife to attend the conference, and after our first session, we had lunch together, and he said, "You must bring emerge. You must bring this message of hope and healing. You must bring this preventative care that you are offering to pastors and missionaries to, to Asia." And so, two weeks from today, I'll be standing in Hong Kong preaching to about 5,000 people in several services as we look at the ways that we could possibly open up Asia. He said, "We want to take a, emerge the, emerge from Hong Kong." to Singapore to Jakarta to Shanghai to Beijing and I got to thinking that what began in this office right over here about 50 feet from here in the heart of Dr. Richard Dobbins a ministry that began here in this church is now finding its way all over the world about four weeks or five weeks ago there were there were missionaries from five nations of the world on our campus at the same time here in Akron receiving help, receiving hope, receiving counseling. And it began as a, as a, a pebble in the water and the ripples have just are now reaching around, around the world. To God be the glory. You gave, this church gave the very first offering ever for Emerge and you just gave the most current one. So thank you. Thank you very, very, very much, and my thanks to pastors Zach and Heather for the privilege of ministering here today. Would you join me in giving God thanks for the leadership that He's brought to your church? Wow! People who love who love Jesus so so much, and we we pray that they're having a, just a special weekend. Down in Louisiana other than the fact that he they have the wrong football team. They're cheering for other than that They're really fabulous fabulous people, but we can't be perfect in every way can we? so Knowing that I was going to be speaking the Sunday after Thanksgiving and knowing that we've all had lots of turkey and pumpkin pie I thought we would just have a little just a little fun moment here this morning And so about a month ago. I asked your children's pastor pastor. Is it Gina? Jenna, if, if she would have some of the children in one of the classes just write down how, how it is that you would prepare a, a turkey for Thanksgiving dinner and make a pumpkin pie. Uh, I've been doing this now for about 30 years in the churches I pastored, have the children share, and it's always fun to hear, have them share. So, so these are some of the responses Uh, Jesse uh, age 7 you said you get a pumpkin you take the seeds out Then you make a pumpkin crust and you cook it for 10 hours (laughs) For the turkey he said oil the turkey Stuff it and cook it for six or seven minutes Okay, now I'm helping you you may you may want to remember some of these things for next Thanksgiving David Mackey age 6 said you put a pumpkin in a circle Then you add some crust, and you put some blueberries, and then you put some bones in it. Okay? I think he might have got the turkey and the pumpkin mixed up, but here's Chloe. Chloe Eder. She said, get pumpkin flavoring packet at the store. Get all types of sugar, get powder, and then mix it together and bake it. Kaylee Watt, age seven, said, You get pumpkin filling and you get a pie crust, then you put it in the oven. She's pretty, pretty close, okay? Ethan, where's where the stick? Ethan said, You make the crust, you put pumpkin filling in it, then you put the dough on top, then you cook it until Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't know exactly when you start, but you cook it till Thanksgiving. Diamond, age seven, said, you, you, you buy a pumpkin pie, you put it in the oven, you take it out. Okay. Mason Schaefer, age 9, said you cut open the pumpkin, you, ki- you, you get the goo out, then you cook it. You just cook the pumpkin, and you have pumpkin pie. He, for the turkey, he said, you kill the turkey, you shave the skin... And after that, you cook the meat, okay? Oh, there's so much. Um, Nevin Reed said, all you have to do is don't forget the pumpkin, No, add no flour, and add a million pounds of sugar. Okay, That's part of the key, okay, right there, a million pounds of sugar. And finally, Kara, age six, says, stuff it with stuffing, this evidently is a turkey stuff it with stuffing and you put seasoning on it to give it flavor you put more stuffing on the outside okay if you if you struggled this year that may have been the issue put more sea, uh, stuffing on the outside then you put it in the oven and cook it for 15 minutes be sure to pray for it before you eat that i think if you cook it for 15 minutes that's probably a pretty good idea okay so Just just always want to be a help to you. So remember some of these recipes and next time you do it. It'll just you uh, And if you go to the hospital, let us know Uh, we'll come and pray for you So I hope your turkey experience was just a little bit better than uh, Than the ladies in this video. She was trying so hard to get the turkey into the uh, Into the sink and it didn't quite work out real well. So uh, let's watch Another suggestion for next year year as well just just try to be help okay if you have your copy of the Word of God the inspired inerrant, infallible Word of God would you please turn to the book of Luke chapter 17 your pastor preached a powerful message last week from Luke chapter 13 and today we come to Luke chapter 17 in a message entitled it wasn't the dough I wanted A.J. Cronin, who the Scottish novelist who authored Hatter's Castle and the Citadel, tells of a taxi ride in New York City. From the driver's expression and the way he slammed the car into gear, it was obvious he was upset. So when Mr. Cronin asked what was wrong, the driver replied, one of my riders left his wallet in my cab this morning, nearly $300 in it. I spent more than an hour trying to track him down. Finally found him at his hotel. He took my wallet without a word and glared at me as though I had meant to snitch it. He didn't give you a reward, Cronin exclaimed. Not a cent. And I was out of time and gas. But it wasn't the dough I wanted. It wasn't the money I wanted. If the guy had only said thanks, if he had only said thanks. So today we have a very powerful story that Jesus that Jesus tell that about Jesus and and some men. So would you read along with me? Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, the Samaritan? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well in this story dr luke introduces us to ten sufferers a tender savior and a thankful samaritan let's look at those let's look at the three separately first of all he tells us about ten sufferers ten men who had the dreaded disease of leprosy. The scriptures tell us three things about them. First of all, that they were ostracized. That is, they stood outside the village. They stood at a distance. Why did they stand at a distance? Because lepers were not allowed to be in contact with other human beings, lest others would would contract that dreaded disease so they were ostracized they were alone demeaned depreciated discounted dismissed disparaged marginalized shunned unaccepted they were not welcome in society they were ostracized they weren't on the in crowd their only friends were other lepers even family members couldn't couldn't connect with them they celebrated Thanksgiving by themselves, without their family. They celebrated their birthdays. Imagine, imagine the man who, who, who had married and had three or four children and then contracted this disease and now he could no longer see his children, he could not watch them grow up. He couldn't be there for their school activities, couldn't connect with them, couldn't be there when their children were born, ostracized, outcast, alone, shunned, depreciated, dismissed, marginalized. You know this not only affected them physically, but this kind of, this kind of social environment then would have a, a huge impact on them emotionally as well. They were ostracized. Not only that they were very open. They were open about their situation. They called out with a loud voice Frankly, they were at the point in time in their life. They didn't care who knew what they had They didn't care who knew that they had leprosy Jesus Master they cried out with a loud voice have mercy on us Unfortunately some of us ignore our issues hoping they will simply disappear, or somehow we can manage them. Some of us have even been known to say, the Lord knows where I am, if he wants to help me, he can. Some of us acknowledge we have an issue, a problem, but we can't really believe there's any help for us. These lepers teach us a very powerful lesson. The importance of being open, and the importance of reaching out toward the one who can help us. I Have really really good news for us today because there is no leprosy of any kind There is no issue of any kind for for leprosy is really a a picture of sin There is no sin of any kind that God cannot forgive there is no human condition that is beyond the reach of God's love and grace That's that's why Celebration Church is here. That's why we gather weekly, and that's why we do outreaches. That's why you're, you're preparing these 48 baskets for, for these families. That's why you're, you're doing the, the movie night on Friday night. It's not just to have a place for Christian people to come and have a fun Friday night. It's, a, it's, it's an opportunity for us to invite our family and friends and our neighbors and the kids we go to school with and, and invite them to come and hear, hear a, a wonderful film and be, and be involved, be, be part of the family of God and connect with people who love Jesus. Because Jesus Christ has a solution for every human dilemma. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus has a solution for your problem. Now, the fact that we don't know what that solution is right now doesn't minimize that solution, doesn't negate the fact that he has it. And your pastor has been preaching for weeks now on the fact that God wants us to live in, in freedom. He wants us, he wants us to, to be blessed beyond, beyond anything. He wants us, God wants us to, to be free. And these, these lepers were coming to the one who could do that, to the freedom giver. Not only were they ostracized and open, they were obedient. Because Jesus said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Now in those days, in Jewish culture, to re-enter society, lepers had to be declared clean by a priest. You can read all about that in Leviticus chapter 14. There was quite a ritual involved. But before you could re-enter society, after having been declared to have leprosy, you had to go to a priest, and the priest then would declare you fit to, to come back into the community. So to run to the priest meant to show them that they were no longer infected and could return to normal human contacts. But in this case, they had to start to the priest before they were healed. All ten exercised faith in what Jesus said. They started for the priest. Jesus didn't lay his hands on them in this situation. In other cases, when they were lepers, he did. He reached out and touched them and they were made whole. In this case, he didn't do that. He simply spoke to them he he didn't even tell them they were healed he just said to them go show yourselves to the priest but the very act of telling them to do that meant that he intended to heal them because that's why they were going to the priest they wouldn't be going there if a healing was not to come and so so they, they 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 began to go and the Bible says and as they went they were cleansed seven powerful words and as they went they were cleansed when did the miracle happen it happened after they obeyed the miracle a miracle occurred in response to their obedience and this is so much the way god works see god can do miracles without any of us god doesn't need any of us to do a miracle but he often asks us to participate in that miracle through some act of obedience. And so he said to them, in this case, I want you to go and go to the priest. Now they could have said, well, why, why should we go to the priest? We're not healed. The priest will simply turn us away. But they went in obedience to the Lord and as they went, they were cleansed. If you have your Bible still open, would you hold on to Luke, but turn over, please, to the book of Exodus, chapter 40. As I was rereading Exodus yesterday or the day before, these, this, this 40th chapter just really, um, really stuck out. And I, I underlined a whole lot of words, and I, I highlighted in yellow. In chapter 40, God had asked... ...the Israelites to set up the tabernacle. You remember, they were in... They, were, they, were, ...they did not have a permanent location. They were on their way from Egypt to the Promised Land. And while they were in transition, they needed a worship center. And so God, God gave them the directions to, to develop a portable church. A tabernacle, a tent. And he gave them instructions on how to make the tabernacle. And, and so we're not going to read the entire 40th chapter, but just to begin. The Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting on the first day of the month, place the ark of the testimony in it, bring the shield and, and, and testimony in it, and shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs to it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps, place the gold altar of incense. And throughout the entire chapter, he gives them instructions. Notice verse 16. These are what I began to highlight. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Then notice verse 19. He spread the tent over the tabernacle, put the covering over the tent as the Lord commanded him. Seeing the pattern? Verse 21, he brought the ark into the tabernacle as the Lord commanded him. Verse 22, he placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the curtain. He set out the bread as the Lord commanded him. Verse 24, he placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle as the Lord commanded him. Verse number 20, 26 and 27. He burned fragrant incense as the Lord commanded him. Verse number 29 at the end, as the Lord commanded him. Placed basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed wherever, whenever they entered the tent of, of meeting or approached the altar, as the Lord commanded Moses see all of that then go to verse 34 what's the word what's the first word of 34 then when does then happen then happens after the obedience they had done all of these things what they did was really pretty natural stuff they didn't do anything miraculous They put this piece here this piece here this piece here. They anointed this they did that. They just did what God they did They just did normal stuff They didn't do any miracles. They just did what God asked them to do Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle When when did the glory of the Lord fill the tabernacle? after After they had done what God asked them to do Perhaps I can help us all this morning and take some pressure off god doesn't expect any of us to do a miracle you may be in a very painful difficult situation in your life where you have relationships that are not what you'd like them to be perhaps it's a financial situation that just seems to to defy any kind of solution perhaps it's a physical issue an ailment a disease perhaps one of your children or grandchildren is outside the The ark of safety outside the faith of God and you feel so responsible for their their spiritual well-being I just just want to remind us. None of us can do a miracle God doesn't expect us to do a miracle All he asks us to do is what we can do And when we can when we do what we can do God will do what we cannot do My job is to do the possible and trust him to do the impossible When I do the ordinary God can do the extraordinary when I do the natural God can do the supernatural So all all the all the ten sufferers did was obey They said Jesus master have mercy on us he said, go show yourself to the priest. They looked, they hadn't changed. Nothing had changed yet. The, their physical body was still evident the fact that they had leprosy. They still, they still felt the same. They still looked the same. And yet they began to go to the priest. And in the going came the healing. The healing was in response the obedience then the glory of the Lord when did the glory of the Lord fill the tabernacle after they had done all those things that God had asked them to do so these are the ten sufferers ostracized open obedient then then we read about the tender Savior Jesus two things about Jesus that I want to bring into focus this morning first of all that Jesus was approachable Jesus was approachable I love the word of, of Hebrews chapter 4 since we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses are you glad that Jesus can sympathize and identify and, and empathize with our weaknesses one who was tempted in every way like we are let us approach let us approach the throne of grace with confidence So we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'm glad that Jesus is approachable. No matter how often we fail, no matter how many times we let him down, no matter matter how, matter how often we make mistakes, he is approachable. I want to encourage you this morning, if you've been holding god at arm's length if you've been staying away from god because you think you know god's got to be he's got to be so upset with me after all i'm upset with myself he's got to be so upset with me this holy god i just want to remind us this morning that god is very approachable and he invites us to come to receive mercy and grace grace the bestowal of undeserved blessings mercy the 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 withholding of deserved punishment Both of those are at the hand of God who is approachable. But not only is he approachable, the Bible says that Jesus was able to help them. He's approachable, he's able. It's one thing for us to be approachable, it's another thing for us to be able to help. I'm very approachable, I think. But I I may not be able, able to help every situation. Jesus is not only approachable, he is able. He's able. He has the power by virtue of inheritability and resources to do what needs to be done. And the scriptures are full of examples, and I've listed a few on the screen this morning. Romans 4.21, speaking about... About Abraham, he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. In Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Second Timothy 1:12, for I know whom I believed and and persuaded that he is what? Able. Hebrews 7:25. God is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. God is able. He is able to save completely those who come. He is able. He is an able God. Unto him who is able. Who has inherent within his being. That's what it means. Who has inherent within his being the capability of doing what's necessary. God, God doesn't have to try. He doesn't have to try to heal us. He is able, it's inherent in his being. It's inherent in who he is. God doesn't have to try to forgive. He doesn't have to try to save. He doesn't have to try to heal. He doesn't have to try to provide. He is able to do it. It is inherent in his very being. That's what the word means. He is able to do immeasurably more than what we can ask or imagine. That's the God we serve the tender Savior. And then thirdly, not only, not only does he, do we read of the, the, of the sufferers and the Savior, but then there's the thankful Samaritan. The thankful Samaritan. See, one of them, when he saw he was healed, so there was some physical evidence. He, said, he looked at and he said, I, I'm healed. They were all healed, by the way. They were all cleansed, according to the scripture. When he saw he was healed, one of them came back. So there's several things about this. Number one, he recognized God's provision. He recognized God's provision. One one of the marks of spiritual maturity is is our ability to recognize God's provision. God... God provides for all of his children in various ways, but not everyone recognizes the provision. But those, those who, who are spiritually mature, those who are sensitive to God's spirit and present, we, we tend to be able to recognize God's provision. So he saw he was healed. Secondly, he returned to where Jesus was. That's a good place to go. You, you, you go back to where you started. Jesus had, had said, now you go to the priest and he saw that he was healed, he returned to where Jesus was. He responded with enthusiastic thanks, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. Before, they stood at a distance. Remember the text? Prior, they didn't come near him. They stood at a distance. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now he doesn't stand at a distance anymore because he has has been healed by Christ and he comes and he responds. He throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanks him. And then the final piece of this is that he received he received complete wholeness. We need to unpack this a bit because it, herein really lies lies the the heart of this story. The Samaritan had been healed physically. All ten of the lepers had been healed physically. Correct? Yes or yes? Okay. So he he had the Bible says as they were going, they were cleansed. They were healed. But now. When he comes back jesus said to him rise and go your faith has made you well and the the greek word here literally means your faith has saved you what had happened was as they were going toward the priest they were all healed physically when he came back he was then healed spiritually and emotionally So when Jesus asked Where are the other nine? He wasn't asking that because he was upset that they weren't thanking him Too often that's the that's the way we land on this. He wasn't just saying where the other nine I think the other nine ought to be thanking me. No, no, he was he was looking for the other nine because he wanted to give them the same additional blessing He wanted to give them spiritual healing. He wanted to give them emotional healing. He wasn't so concerned that they would come back and thank him as they were that he wanted to bless them immensely. He had already started the blessing of healing. Now he wanted to expand beyond the physical healing to the spiritual and emotional healing. And so when Jesus says, where are the other nine? Weren't there there ten? Weren't there ten? I I, I thought I counted ten. Where are the other nine? He really was saying, I want so much to bless those other nine as I am this one. For when the thankful Samaritan recognized God's provision, when he returned to where Jesus was, when he responded with enthusiastic thanks, he received complete wholeness thankful Samaritan you see giving thanks has so many bless has so many side blessings just beyond the the blessing of giving thanks giving thanks helps us be aware of God's presence giving thanks motivates us to look for God's purpose Giving thanks helps us submit to God's plan. Giving thanks demonstrates our obedience. I love the story. Let's let's, let's stay back on the last one. I love the story about Sammy. He was at, at at the dinner table. His father asked him to say grace. And while the rest of the family waited for little Sammy to pray, he was looking at every dish of food on the table. He looked at the meat he looked at the vegetables he looked at the potatoes he looked at the gravy he looked at the cauliflower he looked at the broccoli he looked at all the stuff that was there and after checking out all the food he bowed his head and he prayed Lord I don't like the looks of some of this but I thank you for it and I'll eat it anyway amen okay I just got to love that kind of honesty right So, Lord, I don't like the looks of some of this, but but I thank you for it. You see, giving thanks helps us demonstrate our obedience. Can we we all be honest and say we don't always like the looks of things in life? As we look at things in life, do we we always have to say, well, I like the look of that? No, we may say, I don't like the look of that. I don't like the look of this situation in my family. I don't like the look of this financial. I don't like the look of my, of my checkbook right now. I don't, like the look of, I don't like the look of what's going on inside of me, the, the, the whatever physical stuff's going on. I don't like the look of it, but Lord, I'm going to thank you anyway. Giving thanks, continuing. Giving thanks reminds us that we are dependent on God. It helps us develop a stronger trust in God. Giving thanks helps us to have a positive attitude of joy. Giving thanks energizes our spirit and mind and body. Giving thanks helps transform anxiety into peace. It helps us to focus on God rather than our circumstances. And giving thanks, frankly, helps us to maintain a positive perspective. Some of us who have studied the Bible and read commentaries have read Matthew Henry's works. A Bible scholar who who was well known for his practical application of Scripture, one day while riding his horse to church, this would have been back in the late 1600s, early 1700s, while riding his his, his horse to church, to be the guest speaker, he was robbed by a bandit who took all his money. So after the robbing was over, and the, ro- and the bandit had taken off with all his money, he gets on his horse again, and he's heading to the church to preach. He asked God, how am I supposed to be thankful for being robbed? As he continued on, the answer came to him. So that night, he, as he was preaching, he told the story of being robbed that day, and he concluded the message by sharing the reasons that he could be thankful for being robbed. First, he said, I'm thankful that I've never been robbed before. Second, I'm I'm thankful that he took my money, but not my life. Thirdly, I'm thankful he didn't take more. He could have taken my horse and my clothes as well. Next, I'm thankful that what I had stolen from me didn't amount to too much. And finally, he said, I am thankful that I was the one who was robbed and not the robber i am thankful that i was not the robber isn't that a better perspective for you see when we give thanks it helps us to maintain a positive perspective on life i don't know where you are in life right now some of you may be going through a really painful time a difficult time For some of us, the hardest math is counting our blessings. Because many of us tend to focus on our burdens. Have you ever met anyone, every time you talk to them, you don't, just two minutes into the conversation, you've already heard all about their problems, every ache and pain, everything that's going on in their life. Because it's so easy for us to count our burdens rather than counting our blessings. I love the story of Pastor Jack Hinton from North Carolina he was on the island of Tobago leading worship service at a leper colony he asked if anyone had a hymn that they wanted to sing a woman who had been facing away from the pulpit then turned to him he said I saw the most hideous face I've ever seen the woman's nose and ears were completely gone leprosy had eaten them away Most of her lips had rotted away. She lifted her hand without a finger on it, for the leprosy had eaten all the fingers away. And she said, could we sing, count your blessings? And so they sang, count your blessings. Come on up, mom. And after the service, one of the team members commented, pastor, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. Oh, yes, I will, he said, but I'll never sing it the same way. Because counting our blessings sort of changes our perspective of life. I'm going to ask us to sing this song just before I bring the conclusion to the message. It's hymn number 309. The words are also on the screen. But I want us to sing this song in praise to God. And I want to invite us today to be like the thankful Samaritan, to be like the woman, the leprous woman on the island of Tobago, who without any fingers, without lips, without ears, without because leprosy had taken its toll. She said, can we sing, count your blessings? Would you join me as we sing it today? When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed,
1: When you are discouraged thinking all is lost Count your many blessings, name them one by one And it will surprise you what the Lord has done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God has done Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever burdened with the load of care? Does the cross seem heavy, you are called? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Verse number four. So amid the conflict weather great, or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all, count your many blessings, angels will. So count, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God.
0: It's nearly, it's nearly impossible to grumble and be grateful at the same time. It's nearly impossible to be grateful and grumble at the same time. You see when we close our hearts and refuse to be thankful we shut god out we become more miserable but when we open our hearts and determine to be thankful we let god in and we become more joyful i'm going to ask grace and her team to come back as we conclude this service this morning but i want to if you would tony just to go to the go to the end to the action step Here's, here's two things I'd like to encourage us to do today. First of all, would you identify and write down five things or people for whom you are thankful?